I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Welcome to Fairy God Boss Radio. This is Romy Newman. Today, I'm here with Shuchi Sharma, who is the global head and vice president of gender equality and intelligence at SAP. Shuchi, welcome to the show. Thank you, Romy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here with you today. I'd actually love to start by asking you about your job. It sounds incredible, and there are probably, I think, almost no companies that has somebody in this specific role. Can you talk to us about your mandate and your role and what you're doing with SAP? Sure, and you're probably quite right on that point. It certainly is a bit of a niche role, but there are roles that are very similar to mine and other organizations because essentially what my mandate is is around organizational transformation. I have a mandate to help SAP reach its target of 30% women in leadership by 2022. And in order to do that, we have to look at everything that impacts an organization. We look at process, we look at technology, we look at people, and how do we drive change on all those fronts to ensure that as an organization we reach a different point than where we are today. I love it. Well, and I love the the singular focus on both the goal and then the resources to deliver against it. But your background is in science. Right. So can you tell us a little bit about your career trajectory and then how did you end up in this role? Sure, sure. And uh, trajectory is certainly a strong word. It might be a bit more of a labyrinth. Um, (laughs) But I did start my career as a scientist. I studied chemistry, organic chemistry, biochemistry, because chemistry answers the questions of why. Uh, But I also spent a lot of my time focused on economics. And the two of those really shaped how I ended up approaching my career going forward. In hindsight, I suppose I can say that now. Um, I went on from science into technology and became what I guess one would call a business technologist. Uh, I did consulting, management consulting for many years with companies who were trying to transform their organizations by leveraging technology, what today many of us call and are seeing as digital transformation uh, was done in a very different way with the tools we have available at that time. And in that effort, I started in parallel to see some of the challenges that women were facing in technology and decided to address that outside of the scope of my corporate existence um, by founding an organization dedicated to women's leadership. And I did that for many, many years and always sort of stayed in that space and then continued my consulting technology career within uh, software industry. And then eventually an opportunity opened up to merge the two, which was really fabulous. And here I am today um, being able to focus on really what is a personal mission for me, but use the skills that I've picked up along the way in terms of from from the vantage point of being a scientist, you know, really looking at everything as an experiment uh, and an iterative process by which change really happens, um, and then 
trying to bring all of my consulting and organizational transformation into the mix as well. Well, that sounds perfect for you. Uh, so I'm curious, what, I, I recently saw a study out of McKinsey that said if we continue to evolve at the same pace or progress at the same pace that we're currently progressing at, we will only see a 1% increase in management roles, in women in management roles in the next decade, which is like, it's a pretty bleak statistic. I'm interested to know from where you sit, what do you think are the levers or initiatives or um, tools in our toolbox that can help, you know, radically accelerate that pace? That's a great question, Romy, and certainly there are quite a lot of bleak statistics out there. We're also seeing... Um, positive movement in certain areas, and I think when you break down the data and get to more granular level or take it through different cuts, you start to sometimes see a different picture, but certainly the challenge remains. And a couple of things come to mind to answer your question. One, we've got to really start early and change how we position careers in STEM uh, to both women and men and ensure that the perspective is really about creating a positive impact in the world. If you look at how engineering is positioned today, it, it can be positioned by universities as a very competitive and cutthroat endeavor. And, you know, if you think about what engineering is, it's really about solving humanity's greatest challenges through collaboration, um, within teams, and it, it, it isn't a cutthroat and competitive en endeavor. So. We need to think that it is very purpose-driven and collaborative and exciting and creative um, to attract not only women but men, too. We have a real shortage of people going into the sciences in our country, so um, we've got to address that for both women and men. And then once, once we are in the workforce, looking at some of the processes we have in our organizations, the points where decisions are made uh, to ensure that the bias that can be present and built into those institutions is removed. Um, you know, we know that we have, for example, bias in, in our legal system, right? Sure. It, it can become very entrenched in our institutions of society, in our institutions of in our processes and business. And we've got to ensure that we make that more transparent through the use of data and analytics and then find ways to drive change through process and uh, behavior and uh, other mechanisms that are going to finally change the broader outcome for the organization but really help people do something different today that they were, from what they were doing yesterday. So one of the one of the things I think about a lot, if there's one change I could personally bring to the world, I want more women to be helping each other advance in the workplace. Can you tell me what you observe from your own experiences and, and from your kind of vantage point at SAP? How how do women interact and how is there opportunity for them to help each other more and how do you think about sponsoring or mentoring women? You know, I think we're really fortunate at SAP. We have a very strong collaborative culture in my personal experience. I'm in my fourth role in the company over the last 11 years. And while some, some of my experiences have been in very male-dominated environments, 
uh, I have to say that regardless of the gender makeup, you know, I've observed a, a pretty collaborative culture, and that is facilitated through our technology platforms, through the leadership mandate and examples that we have in the organization, the role modeling that we see happen. Um, and I do see that women are committed to helping one another. We have a broad and expansive uh, business women's network, which is very active and yep. does a lot to really foster networking and peer mentoring and professional development. And then we have, uh, you know, growing cadres of allies in the organization, men and women, that are dedicated to ensuring that we have more gender diversity in the organization. And we've seen some survey data in our company that both about 87% of men and women believe that gender diversity is vital to our ability to be competitive in the market that we are in, which is huge if you think about that from a global perspective and all of the different cultures that um, we that are part of our SAT family, right? So that's a very high number, and I think one you don't see very often. Uh, and in my own personal existence, I really endeavor to sponsor and mentor wherever I can, engaging in you know acts of sponsorship, introducing people to one another, helping them make connections, giving them ideas. A lot of it is through individual conversations, but helping to be helping them by doing my best to be a connector um, in you know their web of contacts so that they can meet new people engage, gain new ideas and insights uh, through some of those connections, ideas, discussions, which all combine to really shape our career experiences. I love that. So really creating networks and connections and facilitating connections for each other. And I think that's so important, particularly because our research says that women just still feel very disadvantaged uh, in networking. So I think the more that we can help each other, know more people, the better we can be, the more, more success we'll have long-term. Um, so exactly. And another thing that's come up in our research is that, um, I mean, I think this is an adage that's just true for everyone. But when we ask women, are you know, do you think your your company is a good place for women to work? They say it depends on your manager. So, so many top-down initiatives can be put into place, and yet where the rubber meets the road is really that first interaction with the manager. How? What? What are the things that you'd recommend our audience look for in a manager to know that they'll have someone who supports them? That is a great question, and one that brings me to reflect even on my, my own personal experience um, a great deal. Certainly, it's the amount of time and engagement a management a manager will spend with you early on as you begin to settle into a new role, helping you on board, ensuring that you're comfortable in your environment, making sure yeah. that your questions are getting answered helping you connect to the broader network of stakeholders that you'll be working with in your role. And that's a great really, question. And it would be a great question, by the way, to ask in an interview. It's just occurring to me. You know, if you're interviewing with a manager, you say, how will you help me get on board it? Exactly. How, are, how can you help me? And 
what are some of the things that you you would see that I that you could do to help help me um, settle into this new role. But outside of that too, um, I think meeting you where you are, you know, getting a sense of okay, most people when they're starting a new role, you know, are learning the ropes. Um, I like to use the analogy of learning to ski because I love to ski. And when you start to ski, you have to be comfortable with, you have to learn how to use this whole new set of equipment. You've got to take lessons. You've got to kind of fumble through the first few days. You're uncomfortable in your skis and you're not sure if you really like it or not. And then you start to do it over and over again and you become more comfortable. And, you know, a manager has a role just like a teacher at every step of your journey to meet you where you are at that point and provide you the support that you need. You know, if you happen to be more experienced than a skier and you can just get up on your skis and go, the manager's role might be just to be alongside of you. Yeah. Yeah. And we enter different jobs different ways. It's true. Sometimes you come in as the subject matter expert and sometimes you're there to grow and learn and try new things. Exactly. So really meeting you where you are and being able to figure that out and, and be empathetic about it, I think is really how managers can best help people as they join new organizations. Tell us about you and how do you define work-life balance? Um, what's important to you in your life when you're not working? I think it is all now a work-life mishmash, at least in my oh. personal experience. And a lot of that is dependent upon the culture in which you're working, but there, I, I have basically raised my two daughters while working at SAP, and I can tell you I have, you know, had a number of conference calls while sitting on a playground. Um, I have, you know, put my kids to bed and then done a bit of work late at night. I've been able to take them to field trips and doctor's appointments because the culture of the organization accepts that people have, people, we are in a, we are in a society of working families today. And it's no longer necessarily just the, just one person in the family who is working. Um, but more and more we're seeing that both partners are working, which creates a whole new set of constraints, demands, limitations, uh, for people to thrive in a nine-to-five structured environment. And if organizations can understand that and give people the flexibility they need to get their jobs done, um, we're going to see a higher rates of employee engagement and people thriving. And I think that flexibility, while sometimes, you know, can, you can flex both ways in terms of working a lot more or maybe sometimes working a lot less, in the end, gives you an environment in which you can really thrive as an employee and make a contribution and balance your life. But, you know, I am I am one of these people who is relatively unapologetic about prioritizing my family's needs first. If my kids have a performance that I'm only going to get to see once, uh, I you, you can bet that I'm going to make sure I'm there. I love that. And I say, you know, what I say is I, I am a full-time mother and a full-time entrepreneur. Um, and you just have to exactly. sort of be both at the same time. And I think setting boundaries, though, is really, really important. 
I think so too. And, and I think also just, um, you know, seeing someone like you who, who's made it possible, um, even if it's not perfect every day, but the, this notion that you can, you can prioritize your family and still have a great career uh, and there will just be give and take. Exactly. So would you be willing to tell us about a mistake you've made in your career and what did you learn from it? Oh, I was afraid you were going to ask me this question, Romy. <laughs> <laughs> it is our hardest question. Um, you know, I tend not to approach the idea in the, in, through the lens of mistakes. Uh, I try to look at it as choices, and I've always mm-hmm. felt that I've just suffered various consequences from different choices I've made, but I've always learned from them. I'd love to know that you you have forgiven yourself, which I think is like a, a, a project for all of us, and that you don't dwell on the mistakes. And I think it's telling that you just... Um, you've fused that into your kind of view of, you know, the, the upside. In fact, I'm just enjoying hearing how optimistic you are about everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, um, I, I feel like that is the approach that, yes, liberates me from feeling guilt and just kind of moving on. Yeah. Right. When something Ooh. doesn't go as expected because of a choice or something I did because, you're absolutely right. We can really dwell on those things, and they they hinder us from from moving forward. And exactly. you know, nothing is really permanent. Most things we can change. So I'm next going to move into our fun five questions, just so we can get to know you as a person a little better. Um, so, cool. Shuchi, what is your favorite karaoke song? Delight. Uh, groove is in the heart. What is a favorite way for you to exercise, whether it's your mind, your body, your soul? How do you make time for yourself? Oh, that is an easy answer. I love Zumba and I love yoga. Oh, I, I love yoga too. I have, I've never tried Zumba. I got to get on that. It is so fun. It is a play date with yourself. You must try oh, it. It's a blast. Who is one person, dead or alive, that you would want to have dinner with? There are so many people, but I, if I had to name one at this very moment in terms of what I've been thinking about lately, I think it would be Lynn manuel Miranda. Oh, he's so incredible. A force of yeah. genius. He's really inspirational. What book has had a big impact on your life? A book that I absolutely, that I found, two, there's two books that I found really educational, especially in, in the work that I do at SAP. One is The Warmth of Other Suns uh, by Isabel Wilkerson, and she writes about the migration of African Americans from the South to the North during the Jim Crow period. And the story she tells and the way she writes the book is really exceptional in terms of really helping people learn through stories. Um, very powerful book. And the second one is by Brian Stevenson called Just Mercy. Um, well, as you know, Shuchi, we have a tradition at Fairy God Boss. Um, we know that women don't brag as much as men do. So we're, we're trying to change that about the world by encouraging women to brag. And so now I'm going to ask you to brag to us about something that you are very good at. Could you brag for us, please? 
I've realized in the last few years that there's something I do which comes really naturally, but I never, ever thought it had any value. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about connecting people. I really enjoy connecting people to each other. And I have probably a mind that thinks uh, very non-linearly. So I'm always able to pull things from different spaces and um, topics together in ways that others may not have thought of. And I just thought that this was something everybody did. Um, And I never paid any attention to it. But then somebody said, no, this is really actually valuable skill. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that's great. Um, And I think I learned about this through uh, Marcus Buckingham's standout assessment, which I recommend everybody take because it's phenomenal. And and in that, I was noted as being a, a natural connector. Okay. We're down to our last question, which is what advice? We, we're going to ask you to leave our audience just one piece of advice. What, what should they think about as they go through their day, as they proceed in their careers? Be curious. Oh, I love that. Shuchi, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy Godboss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.